0: Hi, I'm Jennifer McCarthy. I'm the Vice President of Legal Advocacy for Federated Wireless. The government wants to enable innovation. It doesn't want to try to to guess where the market's going to go.
1: I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so happy to have you with me today.
0: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is my first podcast um, that I'm participating in, as opposed to being an avid listener of like Smartless, which is uh, currently my favorite podcast. So if we can be, you know, up there with them, that makes me very excited.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish, you know, try, trying to make this one of those podcasts that just takes off. Uh, No, I'm really excited to have you here. Happy to be your first first podcast that's hosting you. And we're going to be talking kind of about the state of spectrum in the US and some of the strategies around that. But before we get into that conversation, as my listeners know, at this point, I do have to ask you, Jennifer, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you?
0: Sure. Well, that is a loaded question. Um, You know, I feel empowered all the time being a woman, um, whether that's my personal life or my professional life. I think in terms of, you know, my profession in particular, it's been an interesting 30 years, uh, you know, that I've been uh, working in the wireless industry. And, um, uh, you know, I, I like to tell the story of the first international telecommunications preparatory meeting that I ever went to, where I might have been one of three or four women in a room of 400 men, all wearing the same gray suit and, you know, um, with uh, similarly colored hair. And, uh, you know, I looked around the room and I'm wearing my bright red Hillary Clinton-esque pantsuit. And... uh... (laughs) you know, looking around going, oh my God, what have I walked into? Um, and, you know, you quickly look around the room for the other friendly female faces, make the connection, give the head nod, and then find ways to um, to collaborate and to work together and support one another. And, um, you know, I, I found that being a, a female in a, in, a, in a field with a lot of men and a lot of male engineers, um, that the women can often help bridge um, gaps and bring consensus in ways that you know it might have uh taken a lot longer or gone down a different path without our intervention and our ability to you know to help uh bring people together and um and achieve either compromise or you know find find some middle ground and some solutions um so you know it's it's amazing to watch how that's changed over the years and to see just you know how much more female participation there is um in uh, telecommunications issues and wireless issues in particular, and you know spectrum management. And um, it's a much more colorful
1: crowd now. Uh, I was thinking about you in that bright red pantsuit. And a lot of my guests say kind of one of their strategies is they already stand out <laughs> because they're the only woman or, or the only person of color or whatever it may be. So it's like, take advantage of that. Don't try to blend in because you're not going to.
0: That's never been my strategy in life to blend in. I'm uh, definitely more of a, hey, I'm here. What's up? What are we doing? How can I help? Kind of a a person um, so that, uh, yeah, I have no problem being the slightly louder, uh, slightly more talkative, uh, you know, person in a red suit. That That's
1: fine with me. <laughs> I thought it could be helpful to start with an overview of the current state of 5G spectrum in the U.S. Um, because I, I know there's... Some, a lot of movement going around. Um, and I don't have a huge, you know, I don't have a good grasp on it necessarily. So maybe we could start with you kind of characterizing what the conversation is right now. Sure. Uh, you know, it's interesting in the United States,
0: we tend not to think about spectrum allocations or spectrum assignments as being technology specific, right? We've taken a very technology neutral approach we allow licensees and users generally speaking to deploy whatever technology they want um subject to you know certain technical and service rules uh to you know avoid any one entity um you know overwhelming hogging the band or overwhelming their their fellow users and i think that approach has really uh done us a great service um you know the the flexible use Model that the the FCC has adopted, you know. Whereas other countries around the world have been, no, 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 this is a one G band or this is the two G band, and you know, it, it is a very slow process of innovation for them as a result of those restrictions. And in the U.S., providing licensees with the flexibility to um, adopt new technologies, new um, capabilities as they see market demand requiring it. That that is is why we're always. You know, frankly, in in my opinion, a leader in um, in wireless. You know, some some people look and say, "Oh, the the U.S. is behind Asia or it's behind Europe," and I I just have to you know kind of chuckle. What metric are you using to determine that? I think we are very advanced in terms of what we're uh, what we're doing here in the U.S. and the techn- technological leadership that we've demonstrated and the flexibility to enable our industry to innovate and to improve. You know, I worked at Qualcomm back in the early days when we were trying to get CDMA accepted as a standard and the world was going in a different direction they wanted gsm they wanted governments to dictate which which standard should be adopted and what band it should go in and um i was there to say no 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 no. we're we're the rebel alliance we're not the empire you know we are here to let new technologies uh get deployed and innovate and improve and if you mandate a particular technology in a, a particular band you're you're absolutely stifling innovation and i was so glad when we were able to convince other countries other regions to follow a similar similar approach and and think more expansively about how to allow technology to develop at its own pace and not to stand in the way of um of of those deployments now that being said i know that was a long intro to this well can i
1: actually ask a question related to that first part why is it this way in the US? Why this flexibility? Is it that the, the tech companies as telecom companies are are powerful enough entities that they can kind of you know persuade the government to do it this way? Like why why do we do it so differently in the first place?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Back when um in the 90s, we were looking at three different digital standards for cellular. Um we had the US version of TDMA, we had the European version of TDMA, which they call GSM, and we had CDMA. And the government rightly decided that they didn't want to pick technology winners or losers, because they'll get it wrong, you know, they it might it might look like they're picking a good one. And then they realize later, oh, we've, um, we missed aspects of this. We uh, overlooked something that was more important that that revealed itself later as deployments occurred, and so by allowing all three of those technologies uh, to be deployed and to set up technical rules that would allow that, they let the market decide, and um, the market figured it out on its own, and CDMA ended up being the the winner at that time, and then aspects of the of the GSM a standard, um, you know, on the networking and ended up getting incorporated into that, into the CDMA um, air interface and, you know, the, what we would now call IMT standards, you know, the 3GP consolidated standard emerged from that. And now we, you know, we're all rowing in the same direction from a, a, a mobile technology uh, perspective and uh, quit fighting each other and started figuring out how to, um, bring bring new capabilities and new features uh you know together to the next generation of standards and it's um you know i think proven to be a very successful model so yeah so not picking winners and losers i you know the government the government wants to enable innovation it doesn't want to try to to guess where
1: the market's going to go makes perfect sense. Okay, you can continue the direction you were going in before. Sure,
0: sure. Um, No, I was just going to say, you know, in terms of the current debates over making more spectrum available for fixed and mobile wireless broadband services, because I want to call it that, I want to call it that generically, rather than 5G spectrum, right? Because if you start putting labels on spectrum, then People have expectations of, oh, well, when the new technology comes out, we're going to have to yet again find a new band for it to go in, whereas we know that it's going to be much more organic than that. You're going to be wireless carriers, for example, are going to be refarming their existing spectrum resources with the latest generation of technology as they go along. So there's not going to be one band that's pure 4G or pure 5G um, or pure 6G for that matter. And then you've got the interesting dynamic of unlicensed technologies that are also evolving and are going to start um, competing and offering different features than you know what's going on with the um, you know the the mobile the, the traditional mobile technology. So you've got the IEEE guys working on on um, you know Wi-Fi. You have got 3GPP working on both the licensed and unlicensed versions of four of five G, six G, etc. Those technologies. Um, coexist and how they both continue to develop, and uh, how they interoperate. Frankly, I find that fascinating, and it's going to be an interesting, interesting evolution to see how those those two different technology streams continue to evolve. But folks, right now, are looking at you know what other bands are out there that can be used to support mobile and fixed broadband services, and um, what's the best uh coexistence capability right because there are really there's no greenfield spectrum left at least not in the united states and it is costly and disruptive um to you know to spend and and time consuming to reband or re- relocate incumbent users to other bands um and we've got to start taking advantage of the technology and capabilities of of sharing and and enabling coexistence whether that is um, what we're doing in CBRS with the um, with the military uh, systems and the FSS systems, where we've got a pretty sophisticated dynamic spectrum management system, the SAS that is um, enabling sharing of that band on a dynamic basis, or you've got the um, automated frequency coordination system, a much less complex um, sharing mechanism to allow sharing in the six gigahertz bands for unlicensed systems. So again, we're, we're looking at both unlicensed and more traditionally uh, licensed or licensed by rule technologies, both being deployed on a shared basis with incumbents. And, you know, I think this is the trend that we're going to see uh, going forward, whether, you know, it's for 5G uh, systems, for Wi-Fi 6 and 7, or uh, whatever G, you know, 3GPP wants to put, <laughs> you know, I know they're already there well into discussions about 6G and they're talking about 7G already. So, you know, who knows when that's going to happen, but again, you know, providing that flexibility so we can evolve as technology improves and as
1: market uh, demands change, I think is going to be important. Great. Thank you so much uh, for providing all of that, that background. So as this all unfolds, which spectrum strategies are emerging as some of the most likely and what strategy or strategies do you personally recommend?
0: Sure, Uh, you know, I think one of the things that the U.S. is again um, taking a, a leadership role in is coming up with new innovative licensing frameworks in addition to our technology neutral policies. And those licensing frameworks are looking for providing access options to users that that they can consider what meets their needs. And in the timeframe that they're that they're looking at, you know, for the past 30 years, we've done a lot of exclusive license um, by auction, uh, which has been a great way of getting spectrum out, making sure that it's put to its best and highest use and enabling the deployment of nation competitive nationwide public consumer oriented mobile, uh, mobile networks. Now we're shifting towards enabling new access options for private wireless, for example. The uh, again, the CBRS licensing framework, where some of the spectrum is available on a license basis and some of it is available on a license by rule or opportunistic basis, but all subject to the same equipment interoperability requirements, um, really gives everyone and their choice. It's like a buffet. This is all great food, I can choose. Uh, the food that I like, and I get to uh, pick which which one I want to go for first, or what meets my business needs. Right? If I want to make sure that I've um, got more deterministic access, I might choose to invest in a license, in a PAL license, but I might supplement that with um, with some GAA spectrum, or maybe you know, given uh, my you know use case or the geographic situation of my my um, application. I can, I can use GAA spectrum on its own, Um, or maybe I want to supplement it with some leased spectrum from a PAL licensee. But having both of those options available with the same equipment ecosystem um, is really quite novel and one that we're, you know, starting to see other countries around the world consider and adopt. Um, You know, they're doing it a little bit differently than what we're doing here in the U.S. They're not doing license by rule. They're doing more um, hyperlocal licensing, but it it is again um, offering other users, other um, end users opportunities to get access to spectrum rather than just um, uh, exclusively licensing on a nationwide basis or on a very large geographic area basis. And I think this is where the real innovation um, is is occurring um, and that we should uh, we should continue down that path where we're always looking to provide a mix of actions every time we we look at it at you know at a new band um and 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 that's what i would recommend that that we can continue to do and to continue to innovate um along those lines you know
1: i've only been in this industry for a few years and and spectrum is one of the the harder things for me (laughs) to wrap my head around sometimes so thank you so much for explaining it to me
0: you got it i'm i'm happy to do so it is a tricky subject and there's always more to learn right um you're looking at ways in which satellite spectrum could be um could be managed and offering different licensing frameworks for that too you know i know the fcc currently has a, an nprm out on how satellite spectrum could used be used to supplement terrestrial um spectrum and you know that that is very intriguing, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that going forward, too, where you're going to get a an interesting combination of satellite and, and terrestrial use, and what kind of flexible frameworks can we put in place for that? How can we take advantage of cloud computing and dynamic spectrum management systems to make sure that that works seamlessly and that that we're we're not causing interference um, you know accidentally, but that we're maximizing the use of both kinds of uh, of frequencies and integrating those systems in an efficient way. And similarly, we're um, you know we're involved in another active proceeding that the FCC's got going on to use um, the five gigahertz band, for example, for unmanned and manned um, drones for you know UAVs we are talking about using a dynamic spectrum management system to help assign frequencies for those drones particularly when they go beyond visual line of sight um, and how do we um, how do we assign frequencies to those individual drones make sure that we're in touch with them when and where we need to be um, but doing it in real time and um, and doing it in a way that we, we just couldn't do on a human intervention basis, you know? Um, so there are, um, I think, lots of interesting um, applications for the capabilities that have been developed over the past few years to handle our spectrum crunch, you know, for CBRS, for six gigahertz, that are going to start being applied to um you know, to other aspects of wireless telecommunications, whether that's satellite or drones or who knows where else it's going to go. but I, I'm excited to be a part of it and it's and it's fun to
1: think through those challenges. Yeah, it's really exciting. It seems like a great space to be in right now. A lot of exciting changes. So again, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Likewise, thank you for having me.